right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast brought to you by our friend, the buoy. It is official. It is out in the open open media. It's in the open sea. It's in the open field. Solly here and calling in from the West Coast during during the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about Nick Taylor instead of watching the Super Bowl. Mr. KVV, how are you? I'm doing great, Sully. I'm, I'm raring to go. Football is my past life. I don't need any of that anymore. It's the first Super Bowl I've not giving a shit about it in a long time. Don't have to come up with any sort of, uh, you know, quirky feature about the winner or the loser. So I'm ready to go. That's why a lot of the reason why we wanted to hire you was so that other people could watch the Super Bowl, I guess is what it is. So you got to talk about golf tonight. Uh, you know, it's funny that just a quick aside, like at ESPN, they make you write stories ahead of time off the winner and the loser. And I have like three stories that never ran because I ended up writing about the loser. So I was kind of like the the cooler of uh, if you got me, if I got your draws, like I was gonna supposed to write about Kyle Shanahan or whatever, then you were gonna you're going down. So, in his hotel with with him uh, out on the West Coast, Mr. DJ Pie. Good afternoon, Pie Man. Hey, good afternoon, Solly. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, greetings from sunny Los Angeles. Just painfully hungover today. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be brutally honest with you and the listeners, as we always try to be. Drank about forty to fifty bottles of wine with Mr. Poosh yesterday in Santa Barbara. Just really got away from us. Estimated. And uh, you know, but but nonetheless, we're here. We're we're ready to talk about what little golf we watched this week. Uh, maybe more firing questions to you guys. Maybe more of an avatar for the audience. But happy to be here nonetheless. Uh, there is a lot to talk about, guys. And the first of all, on the tip of everyone's tongue, Scotty Scheffler. Do you know what he trusted for victory at the Waste Management Phoenix Open in Scottsdale? It's a Pro V1. He was one of 90 players trusting Titleist. For Scotty, it's all about consistency. And in his own words, he said, I feel like you're always playing a different type of shot. Rarely am I just hitting a straight-up stock shot. You're always trying to do a little something with the golf ball. And so having that consistency and knowing that golf ball is going to react that way, the way I need it to react when it comes off the face and when it comes into the green especially when you get into a tour setup where the greens are crazy firm, the wind is blowing, you got to have total control over where that golf ball is going to go. And I feel like I've gotten that consistency with the Titleist ball over the years, and I really trust how it reacts. And with a handful of clutch shots, including a critical 15-footer on the 16th and a tough pitch on the 17th to birdie, Scotty trusted his Pro V1 for every shot en route to victory and ascends to world number one ranking. I could have just said that. He uses a Pro V1, and he's the number one player in the world. I, I can't think of a better endorsement. So you tell that. me. Yeah. You tell me. We're on our. We're coming for you, though, Scotty. We're coming. <laughs> Ooh, that putt on sixteen. That was that was damn clutch. Listen, we're going to talk about the drop. We're going to talk about a lot of drops. Apparently, golf Twitter was up in arms. I don't think. I think only the people that are on golf Twitter were up in arms about uh, some of the things that happened this weekend. But uh, a lot to get to with that. But for Scheffler, this is his fifth win in the last three hundred sixty-five days. Uh, the other. The other wins are also either majors or elevated events, uh, which is absolutely grotesque. I don't really know if there's a question that goes with this, but does this change anything with Scotty for you guys? We kind of for had forgotten about him for a little while over the years, but uh, does this change anything? I think going through some of the, like doing, you know, quote unquote research, I'm going to call this a lowercase r research for the DraftKings picks. This week I was, I was looking at Scotty and looking at some of those kind of like multiple chances to win bets where they lump a couple players together and just really looking for anything that had Scotty in it because 
if you look at what he's done recently, like I, I feel like there's almost a temptation to be like, man, that guy's like really cooled off, huh? And like he really hasn't. Like it's just it's broken record. It's the things we talk about in this podcast all the time. It's hard to win, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it's your week, sometimes it's not, but like he has not been far off. And so this doesn't come as a you know, hot take. This doesn't come as a surprise at all. But I think it's also kind of a funny wrinkle when you start getting into the is Rory number one in the world? Is John Rahm number one in the world? You know, it's clearly one of these two guys. And you could certainly like have that conversation, but it's not like Scotty was some like distant fifth or eighth or tenth or something like I mean, he's he's still been playing really, really, really good golf for the last couple months. And so it, it was only a matter of time before he broke through and had it all sync up again. And, you know, it's they are who we thought they were. You know, I don't think it changes much. I think it just reinforces like, okay, this is a, another guy to add to your list every week. So I was thinking about today. Does what is Scotty's weakness? I don't really know that there is one. I mean, like, I don't like think there is. Last year, over um, the course of 2022 in general, he was positive in every category. Um, he's one of the best ball strikers in the world. I mean, he chips and putts it well. It's not like outrageous, but he it's it's a ball striking strength thing. And maybe it's driving a little. A little bit. I mean, if you if you had gun to your head, have to pick something. I mean, right? Just like compared to like Rom, maybe, but he's you know ten right. yards right. over yeah. average, and he's above average accuracy. So it's hard. It's hard to say it's a weakness. I mean, it didn't look great today, but he's also like a very creative player. I mean, kind of going to what he was talking about, what he's able to kind of make the golf ball do out of different spots. Uh, he was also the guy that, uh, ironically for, for Rand, this one's for Randy, like the eye test, like it, it makes a lot more sense when you watch him hit a ball in person. Like the action looks a little funny on TV, the foot slide, we all know it, but then like you watch him hit balls on the range and I've, you know, followed him for a couple rounds. It's like, oh my God, that thing does, that comes out of the window. Like every single time it comes out of the window and it's a very consistent fade. And he just seems like he's literally throwing darts when he's hitting golf balls and, He's just so freaking skilled at all the things that I always thought in my head take like 15 years to learn. I, like the the spin needed on pitch shots and the deft touch around the greens on certain putts and under pressure, you know, on a downhill right to lefter, like getting the speed right on it. All the stuff that just doesn't seem like a young guy should be able to do, he's able to do. And I don't know, I'm just really impressed. It's these heaters, the heaters don't last forever. He won four times in 56 days last year, which is absurd. And he was like a, a plus 2.7 ish player at that point. And basically since then, he's been a plus 2.2 player. Like we're talking about a half shot decrease per round. Like that's the, but that's the gap in winning a ton and not winning a ton. So to your point, Deej, he has not fallen off probably as much as we thought of or think, but uh, also just a lot of comments from people of like, you know what? Like, Scotty doesn't really quite do it for me. Like I, maybe that's kind of part of the reason why he falls off a little bit is like personality wise. He's not, you know, he's not high and he's not low, right? There's not a lot of people that dislike him and there's not a, a lot of people that ride for him. So I think it's just going to be a guy that you would tend to forget about. Maybe is that fair? Amanda was working hard in that interview. Yeah. Afterwards, get something out of him. I mean, I was feeling it for her because Scotty was just like, yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, that's just meets my expectations. No big thing. You know? Well, he's also, I mean, He's won what twenty five million dollars the last two years, more than that, or so, something like that, you know. And it's like, well, why does he have to be interesting out there? What? What is? <laughs> what, why has he got to be grinding his face off trying to win people over? And and this isn't a spoiler or anything, but I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the Netflix show this week. And there's an episode that features him, follows him a little bit. It kind of feels like that post game interview. I mean, it's it's. I don't say that as a slight. I people are who they are, and you know, he's just clearly like not that guy who's just going to yuck it up and really try to 
try to bring the house down, but it's just, it, it, he is who he is. He plays really freaking good golf and he is making a ton of money and winning a ton of trophies. And it's, it's super admirable to watch him do it. He doesn't have to be for you. I, I understand that if, if people feel that way, I, I kind of feel that way day to day, maybe like you can convince me on one given day. It's like, Oh God, this guy's so boring. And then he makes something like he makes on 16. Kevin and I were watching it in the hotel, you know, he hits like just kind of a, not a great, chip from down there but like a sensible shot right like he's he's not going to risk watching it roll back to his feet he's not going to try to hit the absolute perfect shot and win the tournament there on 16 he just give myself a, a sensible sensible look and it's like yeah dude of course he makes it like he's one of the he's the guy that makes those putts and of course like no offense to nick taylor he played phenomenal golf today but like of course he misses it right like that's just what happens in those types of moments between guys who are number one in the world and guys who aren't i know that's that's kind of trite and cliche but i it also tends to be true like week after week after week and so he, he's one of those guys too that I, I think like the more he the more he wins the more interesting he gets right like that's kind of the only way you make a guy like that super interesting is he needs a shitload of trophies i he, think he just to me plays golf not golf swing you know he just he obviously the, the driver can get wild and there were certainly times when i was looking up i was like oh like he, he's like way off in the desert yet again and yet, like, he knows how to shape shots to get him back to where he needs to be. Like, it, it never was, like, a huge, massive mistake that was going to hurt him. It was just kind of like, yeah, I'm just out here kind of figuring it out. Like, I'm not, you know, getting too technical with anything. I'm just, you know, I, he looks like one of those dudes who's like, all right, I think I need to hit a fade here. And then just thinks fade, and it goes fade. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think I might hit a draw. And just thinks draw. Like, he's not thinking about, like, okay, I need to, you know, get my elbow tucked here, no. get to the top, right. and then, no. so you Don't forget, yeah. when you need to fade it, you got to make sure it fades. That's the most important thing. The most important thing when hitting a fade. Uh, I think he's also one of the guys that, sorry to keep going back to it, but the the Netflix show was a good reminder too. The last episode obviously features Rory and the tour championship and all that. And, and just watching him fade away and really like kick a lot of money away on that Sunday. $11.5 million on the back nine Sunday at Eastlake. I think that's kind of, kind of like the only real like adversity you point to in his career. And I think what's kind of interesting about guys like him is, is, and I think we say this about Morikawa, like we said this about Morikawa after uh Kapalua, right? Where it's like, these guys are so good that they're in the hunt so often. And when you're in the hunt so often, there's a better chance that you're going to have spectacular wins and spectacular losses. Right. And I think Scotty, it's, it's so funny in that, like, I don't think he's going to change. His personality isn't going to change wildly. Nothing like that. It's just going to be more and more context built every time he's in the hunt on Sunday. Right. Like he's going to have a lot of afternoons like this, but I think the better he plays like this, the more we're going to have, we're going to see ones that slip away and that's going to make him a little more interesting. And like, I, I don't know. I just, I I'm I'm for it. I'm I'm for it. Let's see Scotty I'm more pro on Scotty. I do think and, and we'll, pro Scotty, I'm for him. <laughs> just yeah, I want to get that on the record. I'm pro Scotty. <laughs> I respect him. <laughs> I respect his career. We can break this down a little bit, maybe talk about these designated events. I think he fit into the landscape a lot better a year ago when there was still a Cam Smith, when there was still a DJ, when there was still a Bryson, when there was still a Brooks of like a Reed, when there was just like some interesting characters and interesting talent involved that you know if we're if we're putting scotty kind of more on the straightforward golfer and a little on the dull side it fits into the puzzle when you've got a lot of characters out there now as i look at the the current state of the pga tour i'm kind of like there's just a lot of scotties there's a lot of scotties and uh the the more he wins the higher he gets on the on the phone tree for the pga tour ad shoots yeah you know and i don't know that that's necessarily the best thing in the world but uh it's good for him 
It's going to yeah. make a lot of money. Make, make villains great again. We need some <laughs> villains. It's a concern I have. Huge Bills fan asked, uh, I guess he's got the weekend off as uh, a Super Bowl weekend I thought you were off. saying Scotty was a huge Bills fan. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I don't, huge I don't Bills fan right. on Twitter is asking, how much of getting over the hump and having the winning success can be attributed to Ted Scott on the bag? And I do not know the answer to that other than to say when Ted Scott went on the bag, he won five times. Like I would be hard pressed to, to say that that does not matter. And the, and we can do, we're going to, we'll talk some coverage stuff. If you can't see like what, what a good caddy can, uh, what kind of an effect caddy, a caddy can have Joe Scovran on the bag with Tom Kim on the one mic'd up hole in the 13th hole, they get up there. It's whatever, 220, whatever the yardage is. Tom Kim pulls four iron out of the bag. Almost immediately, Scovran's like, that's too much club. Like, it is it is smooth five or hard six. You could talk me into either one of those. Tom Kim's like, okay, like 205 shot. Scovran's like 200 shot. Not, not like 205, 200 shot. Tom Kim hits it and rolls it up to five feet. Like, the amount of what what a caddy can do. We're talking about a point, again, the point five difference from 2.2 to 2.7, meaning five wins. And you're telling me that Ted Scott can't save you half a shot around or that it doesn't have that much effect on him. I, you'd be crazy to think it doesn't have an effect. Uh, and I don't want to take credit for it, but, I mean, pray for Ted Scott. Had a pretty darn good result for him because he would be on the – he'd be talking about the aces otherwise. We're, we're, we're seeing the fruits of those prayers. That's amazing. I, I did turn to DJ at one point today in the hotel and be like, how much more enjoyable do you think Ted Scott's life is? Like on a day-to-day, <laughs> week-to-week basis. You know, like – Scotty just kind of chills, maybe, you know, goes to church, has a few beers, like nothing really, you know, Ted's pretty chill religious guy, doesn't have to like get screamed at, yelled at, you know, get blamed for water on the club face, bro. And it's just like good for Ted. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, you know, I think Scotty's going to win a lot and is going to win more majors and all those things. But I, you could convince me it's not the biggest coincidence in the world that the first one was the Masters with a guy who's already won two. <laughs> You know, it's like what a what a difference that has to be going in and what a difference. Like, I mean, we all I, I know these guys are an unbelievably different skill level and there's more at play than just luck and confidence and feelings and all of those things. But how much difference how much different does the confidence have to be when you do have somebody like that out there with you of just like, oh, no, no, no. I've been here before. I've won this thing twice. I know this whole like the back of my hand. This hole does this hit this shot. Right. It's just so much different than just like, I don't know, man, I'm figuring it out with you. Like, like what do you think? Six? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. You know, can I can I make a point that, I, again, I'm extremely well aware of how stark the differences are between like Augusta National and the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. But like Chris Stroud telling me where to hit putts, I'm save me somewhere between six and eight shots. Right. And again, I'm not a professional golfer and I don't know how to read greens like professional golfers do. But to have someone like with with actual knowledge, again, back to Stevie Williams on Adam Scott's putt that won him the Masters was like convincingly like it's a cup more than you think it is. It's more than you think. It's like have somebody that can be assertive like that can save you. Because look, look at how many balls just like fine line. At, look at like Nick Taylor's lip out on 17. Like how many balls on, on sli- slippery, slidey greens like that come incredibly close and how incredibly close gets you nothing. It uh, Yeah, it, I think it could very well have a very big impact. And also, again, this is conjecture, not to put too fine a point on it, but I mean, like, I, I almost don't think we talk enough about Scotty's quotes The the after winning the Masters. You know, he had won whatever three of his last five starts. He's, you know, knocking on being the number one player of the world if he wasn't there already. And he's waking up crying, thinking that, like, the moment is going to be too big and he's just going to get swallowed up. Like, how much help must it have been to have someone like Ted Scott out there with him, like, working truly as a teammate? So, I I don't know. I, I'm, I'm 
thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with Ted Scott. I think he's a fascinating guy. I think he's had a super interesting career. He seems to be very thoughtful and interesting. I just, uh, it's it's cool to watch the the partnership. I was just gonna say, remember Sully when they didn't want to put they they didn't want to put Scotty on like the Ryder Cup team because he hadn't won and he won anything yet. <laughs> just, just we can just revisit that for a second. Just you know, <laughs> give you a chance to take a victory lap one more time. It doesn't. The, him beating John Robb does not look crazy. It, nearly as crazy as it felt at the time when he was the twelfth man onto that team. Which yeah, a shout out to Strokes Gain for that one. But all right, let's talk about the drop on sixteen. Because uh, I, let's just talk about drops and rules in general here, because I think Mr. Reed has ruined things for all of us in that the sentiment online seems to be whenever, whenever a player is getting a free drop of any kind, that they are cheating and then they are improperly rolling the ball out of their hands, that they are being total scuzzballs. And I watched that sequence twice and I cannot fathom uh, again. All right. So we're on the 16th hole. He pulls it left. The ball rolls down into the rough. And they've got, listen, this is going to be breaking news. There are a lot of grandstands around the 16th green at Waste Management. Some might say that is the signature defining element of this professional golf tournament, which is they are going to put the fans right on top of this green, and that atmosphere is what they're trying to create, right? So it's only natural that balls are going, when they roll off the screen, are going to roll very close to this thing. So he gets down there. He's taking the club back. The rules officials right there. He's getting a free drop because his swing is going to hit uh, the, the, the grandstands that is set right to the side. So he goes to take a drop, bounce, drops it, and it rolls towards the grandstand again. And he takes his club back. And it looks like, to me, again, with very little evidence, I'm going to go with the guy that's hitting the shot and the rules official standing right there as more evidence that the, the grandstands are still impeding where it's going to go, where uh, his swing, at least. So then he's dropped it twice. It kept bouncing towards the grandstand. Now he gets to place it on a decent lie, a good lie, a great lie. I don't know what, I don't know if it's that great of a difference. The first time he dropped it, they all commented how great the lie was that he had. So then he chips it 15 feet past the hole. It wasn't like it had a grand effect on things, and it was also not like Patrick Reed lying about his ball being embedded I'm going to go with benefit of the doubt here until somebody tells me otherwise. I I'm, I would love any pushback you guys have to this. I didn't think it was like a bad at all. DJ and I were no. kind of didn't even really think it was a thing until you said the golf Twitter was up your ass. Uh, Send it to Tron. Twitter. Tron wants yeah. these. At Tron Carter NLU. He wants all of these. He will join you without having seen the video. I promise you on that. Do not send them to me. I was just thinking... To be honest, if if that rock could be moved by Tiger, then just move the grandstand. Just get some people down there, put your back into it. Like you know, you could you could also just cut cut the tarp. You know, sure. cut a cut a Scotty shaped hole in there and uh, let him go and play. I don't know. I didn't think it was a bad drop at all. Like, I, can we all agree that like the sanctimony of PGA Tour events is out the window? I mean, look at this stadium that they're playing in. People are yelling yelling things at you as you hit this. Like this is a spectacle, right? And part of the deal is going to be like. Do you want fans on top of the hole? Yes, they do. So there's going to be TIO relief on this hole. Like I just, again, we're watching like the, one of the most man-made, uh, man-constructed things ever between this golf course in the middle of the desert and all of the hospitality. This is a stage. Like this is a kind of a, I like how they've steered into this, but it's kind of a joke in how like man-made and unnatural all of this is. So there's going to be some like unnatural rulings with it and different than the Xander one, which we can talk about, but uh, TIO, take this one away for the waste management. Yeah, much like, you know, I think you know my my feelings on where did it cross Twitter. I think <laughs> uh, take another look at that drop Twitter is is right up there as well. Uh, I'm going to trust the professionals. I'm not going to concern myself with uh, with really, you know, getting involved there. I'm, I'm going to just I'm going to trust the systems that we have in place uh, until, until really, really, really proven 
proven otherwise on that. So I got a, a great idea for you for, for content. A tournament with no drops. It, it just got to play everything play it. as it lies. You have to it goes up in the grandstands. You got to go up there. You got to <laughs> you know chip it through the the seats. You got to do whatever. No, but no sprinkler head drops. No, you know towers. Hit it through the camera tower. Frankly, I'm, I love that. I'm in on that. Okay. After having spent just a couple of the last two weeks out on tour talking to guys. God, would I love to see some reaction to some of that. <laughs> like, if they get a wind gust during some of their putts, they're not happy out there, man. It is insane. So which, your, which, your to, to I that. mean, I know that, like, we're joking about this, but but also, like, of course, because, like, the more and more and more you play into, like, giving these guys every favorable ruling, and, I'm again, I'm, I don't give a shit about whether Scotty got, like, some some crazy above-board above, above board drop or not. Like, I have to, of course, assume that it was. But the more that these guys tend to get every ruling, like they're they're of course gonna just keep pushing it further and further and further and you know be more and more pissed at every little thing that pops up. I, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's uh I mean I do. If you want a segue to talk about the Xander thing, I have some thoughts uh just in general about the rules stuff. Like explain what happened with the Xander drop and then I'll kind of uh go from there. Saturday, um Xander hits T ball on the thirteenth hole, par five, drives it into the right into the desert, which I want to talk about the desert. The desert's sick, by the way. Uh it and it rolls up underneath a tree and the camera shows it and the ball is not sitting in a animal hole, but there's a bunch of animal holes around this or what looks like animal holes. It's really hard to tell. They did not document this very well on the television. Uh, they were very, very, very honed in on the 16th hole, and a lot of other stuff got squeezed out on Saturday. They come back, and Mark Emmelman says, Xander Schauffele had the ball right back up against that Palo Verde tree, and it was against a root, but he was standing in a burrowing animal hole, so did a whole lot of lobbying with a first rules official and was denied, called in a second opinion, and not only got relief, a swing and a shot. So he was able to get a free drop left of the tree, and he was able to hit a seven iron onto the back of the green or just over the green. I don't remember what it was. Um, sounded like it was a pretty excellent shot, but essentially got a free drop from behind this tree where he was totally stymied, uh, where he would have been maybe standing in a burring animal hole and got a free shot at the green. Now, that's the situation. What are your thoughts on this, KBB? So I think Xander did everything correct that he should have done, right? Xander's has every right to, if he doesn't like the ruling, sort of ask for a second opinion to sort of make sure that he's he's getting every opportunity he has to win the golf tournament or whatever. I just am frustrated by rules officials in general not really feeling like they can stand up to players and give them a bad ruling. And I feel like, I, I don't know, I can't say this for sure, but I feel every time it happens, and this I was true of the Reed thing, it's been true of various things, I think back to the Charlie Hoffman thing. We're saying, you know, if basically we don't get the rulings that we want, we're going to leave. We're not, we don't feel protected <laughs> by the players. We're, I, we're my mouth. The and Saudis are going to answer to us, not yeah, the other exactly, way around. Exactly. And that could totally be bullshit. But I think it's human nature. If you're like a rules official and this is all a big sort of, you know, business, it's all an entertainment product. And you're feeling pressure from one of the top players to be like, dude, come on. Like there's a freaking animal burrowing hole right here. And you're like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I don't think that the players can see the sort of like integrity stuff the way that they once used to. That's why it seemed like such a like an honorable, noble thing that Justin Thomas at the at the uh, U.S. Open was like, you know, every all kinds of people would lie about that drain interfering with their shot but because I'm telling the truth. I have to hit this like shitty shot, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Like that was pretty admirable of him because I don't think that every single player would do that would make that same sort of call. And I just feel a little bit like the rules officials are kind of getting pushed around and like what's the protocol in terms of 
how many, you know, when you remember when Reed said, well, can I get a third opinion? You know, it was Bryson, I think. Well, I want a third opinion. Well, dude, like, okay, like, is that even, I don't know the rules. Can you get a third opinion? I like, get, does the third opinion overrule the other two? Can you get Jay on the phone and get him to come down, walk on the course? Be like, no, no, that, that really, we need to give, we really need to keep John Rom guys. So we're going to make sure and we're going to give him this ruling. Well, we're going to call the marketing department real quick and see, and see what, how we want to handle it. Where's this guy ranking on the pip right now? Is this going to hurt us? Or? Shout out to F1. That's, that's kind of <laughs> seems like where F1 got to a couple of years ago. Look, I mean, you you talked to some some people that you feel like gave better context to it. And I it maybe kind of softened my opinion a little bit. But I, it's just frustrating to feel like a player doesn't like the ruling that he gets and then immediately just calls in someone else. And I don't. it's pretty rare that the second official is like, yeah, first guy's right. Sorry tough shit yeah. uh and never are they like actually i disagree with the first guy you're taking the worst lie in the macro i uh, i tend to agree with you right i feel like what happened on the dp world tour with reed was like a rules official not standing up like not following the proper protocol or kind of being pushed around or led to believe a certain something by reed uh that that just, he didn't challenge him really on it right so what as i understand what happened here the rules official that denied him relief the first time was not a common rules official on the PGA Tour or not someone that had experience in this event. And in a judgment call, it is of, you know within protocol to ask for a second opinion on a judgment call. It's not a letter of the law situation. It's like, hey, is this like burrowing animal relief? And as I understand it, the second official that came in had many years of experience on this uh, covering this event and that type of relief has been granted many times over the years in terms of how much stuff there is running around the desert. Rodents, snakes, gophers, whatever the hell there is. I played one round while I was out there this week. I saw a lot of shit running around in there that actually kind of surprised me. I didn't realize there was a lot going on. Coyotes. Unidentifiable animals. There's, then you get into this conversation of like, well, what if they started digging the hole, but then they abandoned digging it? Does that count as all blah, blah, blah? And you go back to like, is the rule a little messed up? Like, all right, burrowing animal relief. It's like if somebody, if a gopher digs a hole in the fairway and it has like greatly impeded your stance or lie, that seems reasonable for relief for me. Now, if you're behind a tree in the desert and like you're going to be standing on a, a burrowing animal hole, does that seem like you should be able to move it out from behind a tree? Like, is it a, in a ball don't lie situation? Does that feel right? No, it does not. Like, it really doesn't. So, it kind of feels just like a a rule that is a unique situation in the desert just gets ruled in that way. Again, standing on a burrowing animal hole behind a tree doesn't seem like, uh, it seems like you should just be penalized for that. That seems like rub of the green to me, but that's not the way the rules are written and there is not a ball don't lie. Like, does this feel right situation in the rule book? Like rules have to be followed in a, in a specific way. So there's a little reminiscent of Phil finding sprinkler heads in the middle of a bush in Mexico years <laughs> yes. ago. It was like, look, I, I can't, I would, I'd love I would to hit definitely, I'd love to be, love the, to. you know, but they're like the window right here, yeah. you know, I, but obviously I can't with this, I'll slip on this sprinkler head. I remember what at the, at the Furyk event this past year, I remember watching Robert Allenby from nearly out of bounds near a range his ball in a bush and he was like I'm gonna hit it left-handed and if I do that that this temporary tent is in my way I'm gonna be like dude this is bullshit man like no chance I'm staying for this honey we're staying and we're gonna watch this and he gets a, the, the rules official did not back down did not back down doesn't grant him relief he gets up he's like all right fine hits it left-handed and smokes it out of this bush and almost hits the tent. Like, it, it was a ridiculous shot. I was kind of like, a, yeah, these dudes are crazy, you know, capable of some of these crazy things. But um, 
I, yeah, I, I, that one, they didn't cover it well enough on TV to like gather the full amount of information, right? If they would have had zoomed in and we could see the burrowing holes better and all that, like that's fine. Uh, again, I just think it's, I, I just find that online reaction seems to trend towards this guy is cheating until I'm, he's you know, proven otherwise. And I'm just going to throw like Patrick Reed's incidents of like blatant stuff that happened on camera that we have seen and can verify and this kind of thing in two different categories. I think that's all I'm going to ask of people is like, you know, unless you were there to see it, it's really hard to tell. And it didn't look like from what I saw that that was something that was super egregious. What else were the takeaways from on site? What else do you file away from being out there the first couple of days? You know, I, I stopped by for a couple of days, uh, basically on my way back from Monterey. Honestly, out of like a little fear of FOMO, like a fear of like missing out. Like this is the first big, real, actual designated event. Like stuff just going to be happening. Like I got to get out there. I got to like see what happens in the first couple days. Like I want to walk the range. I want to see, you know, if you get a chance to see every player there, get a chance to talk to every player and caddy, you know, all the big names. Like that's just always a good thing for us. And it was, it was uh, just a little different than what I was expecting in terms of uh, 120 people, a lot of people, a lot of people in the field, whatever the final number was. It was very much a, huh. Okay, yeah, Max McGreevy's here, like uh, blah, blah, Nick Taylor here. Listen, who had a great week, but like <laughs> things, of, things of that nature. Yeah. Bo Hostler, like you walk the range and it just, it definitely didn't feel like a WGC, right? And it is an incredible, incredible event. Like you go and walk 18, walking backwards 18, 17, and 16 and just seeing how ridiculously large the hospitality build-outs are and how many people are there on a Tuesday and Wednesday for the Pro-Am. Like, it's the one event that golf feels like a really freaking big deal. And I'm very well aware that a lot of the people that go to this event do not sit and watch the golf or care about Xander's drop from behind the tree on the 13th hole. But it's about a lot more than that, and it just feels like an enormous, enormous PGA Tour event on the ground. Yet, man, I just didn't, didn't quite seem like uh that different of an event as a designated event uh, i don't know if it felt what it felt like to you guys on tv but it just i guess i was kind of I, we've kind of had the i've had the position that really what we can expect from this year is like the best tournaments are going to be like 15 to 20 percent better right with a little slightly better field like rory being there makes it better and i guess i don't know in person i was just expecting it to feel like a little bit more and it just didn't quite fully feel that way and i don't know how that how that shined through on your guys experience the tournament this week I, I don't know if my expectations were too high, but I felt a little bit the same. Like I um, am obviously excited for Riv going there this week, um, but I was kind of feeling a little bit of FOMO. Uh, I was like, oh, maybe I should have gone to waste management instead. And then as soon as the cat like announced, I was like, oh yeah, like I yeah. totally made the right choice going <laughs> to Riv. Like I definitely didn't need, but just watching it, I kept being like, okay, where's the sort of fun fireworks? I mean, I think this gets a little into a little bit of what we were hinting at about like they stayed with, what happened at 16 on Saturday so desperately wanting there to be a hole in one or there to be like people throwing stuff on the greens or there to be a similar sort of scene that we had last year that it sort of when it under delivered it kind of felt like a fizzle like oh okay like I guess there's still just like a golf tournament and cool like the guy who is really good is going to win it like and he doesn't really going to get challenged down the stretch like yeah, that's fine like you know like I it's just was a kind of a little bit of a balloon kind of going hmm it finished I, great Saturday, I will say. Last group, Hadwin almost making the ace and Rom making the 40-footer, right? But it felt like kind of a, a bit of a, a slow burn getting to that point. And that's that's what I was going to say. And again, I'll preface this with I really didn't watch much until today. I was pretty locked in today. But uh, the rest was kind of just catching up on highlights via social or whatever. But uh, I, I know this is going to sound like kind of an obvious take, but I, I think I'm going to reheat it a couple times throughout the week, especially when we get to some of the Netflix stuff is – 
when you it's just all dictated about by what happens on the golf course right like there's only so much you can do to change the non-golf aspect of things and i think that if we're sitting here today and you know someone makes an eagle on 15 and someone almost makes an ace on 16 and someone really goes for it on 17 or hits it in the water or somebody makes an amazing birdie on 18 like it it totally changes it right but it seemed to me like getting all of those pieces in place then it's kind of just up to the golf and when the golf doesn't deliver in like a huge way then there's just not that much you can do about that right but it seemed to me again from afar like all the pieces were in place for that golf to deliver today and it just doesn't happen sometimes because it's golf so i i was uh from where i was i was kind of like i was very very pumped to watch today i've i think i had more people texting me about the tournament throughout the week i had more you know my dad's asking me more what's going on i'm i'm more apt to look at the scoreboard like all of those things were were definitely true for me but i can't really speak to kind of how it felt thursday friday saturday but i also say that there's a lot of golf tournaments that thursday friday saturday don't really have me going anyways yeah. so it certainly didn't seem certainly didn't seem worse than years past from where i was sitting but and the part that i like i'm I tend to agree to each of the part that concerns me is like we're talking scheffler winning rom third jt fourth j day fifth burns spieth up there like it was not for a lacking of a good leaderboard either totally. you know it just yeah it is uh maybe i just maybe we had too big of expectations for what these designated events would look like and it's also just Saying this part again out loud, like there are some dudes that went to live that the tour desperately misses, like really, really yeah. does. And it's would have felt so different with Cam running around and DJ to check in on and Kepka and things like that. Like, I really do think it would have felt like a way bigger uh, event. And it just sucks that like part of me thought that this year was going to be like better than the PGA Tour pre anybody leaving live because like you're actually getting all the top talents together. But with the talent that you've already lost, it's still just like as, you know, maybe as good as the the old events were. You know, you're missing a few pieces from those events anyways. Like Rory doesn't play this one, Speed doesn't play this one, blah, blah, blah. But this did not feel like better than old PGA Tour events that a lot of people used to play. I think there's there's something to be said for, again, I'm kind of shooting from the hip, but there, there's probably something to be said for things that are reactive are never quite as good as things that are proactive, right? yeah, and yeah. yeah. This is a situation like you're saying completely like this entire designated event structure, all of this stuff has kind of happened in response to live. And when you're playing defense like that, it, it does never quite seem like it's going to be as good as let's all go to the whiteboard. Let's drop the best thing possible with no holds barred, blah, blah, blah. It's always going to have that kind of black cloud over over it as far as like we are doing this in response to something else. I would just say, too, though. It's kind of like a little bit like counting cards, right? You just want to give yourself the best odds right. yeah, over yeah, and over. So, sure. you know, next time, does if Spieth puts a little bit better today, it's a more fun because yeah. right, he's yeah, yeah. more in the mix. True. If Rom delivers like the badass sort of Greek god, you know, thunderbolt thrower that he is, <laughs> then it's a it's more fun too there. So like maybe Riv is that thing or maybe, you know, Bay Hill is that. You're getting more opportunities for yeah. the big guns to lock horns. And that this one didn't quite work out as a little bit of a letdown, but you have a better chance the next time at a designated event that you will get a sort of, you know, big clash between the Titans. That's well said, KBV. We'll, we'll have to practice a little patience. I will say to this, though, it, um, if I could give a little, a little swift kick in the butt to a, to a listener of ours, I know he's listening, is Rory, in that a big part of the deal is like, yeah, all these guys are going to be there at these events. 
but there's a difference in like being there and engaged and being there and checking a box, right? And even if you got to fake it a little bit, uh, I, I'd rather you fake it than, you know, he opens with his press conference. He says, you know, when asked about, you know, you're looking forward to the week, whatever he goes, I'm looking for it, forward to it this week in some ways, but it's going to be an experience. Like very clearly, like through his teeth, like, yeah, this isn't really my scene. I'm like, dude, you kind of like, you kind of, you were the instigator and the leader of this. And I kind of need you to dance for it a little bit. I need you there in like totally like locked in and bought in and, if you're fatigued by this process this early in the year, that's a concern, I think. And I don't know. I just feel like there's been some seepage since August, not just with Rory, but just but with guys in general in terms of like, I feel like they all came together and they're like, dude, we're all making sacrifices and we're all going to make it work. Like, Spieth, I got to play five in a row, but you know what? I'm going to do it. I got to blah, blah, blah. I got to blah, blah, blah. And it just feels like the old tour pro and all these guys is, and I'm picking on Rory in particular, just because I, th I think our admiration and appreciation for Rory has been well-documented. <laughs> so I feel okay to do this, but it just seems like everyone's got a little bit of that. Well, this isn't great for me. This isn't great for me. This isn't great for me going. And I'm, it just concerns me a little bit in terms of it doesn't seem to be the same momentum and same buy-in of like, let's go fuck people up and let's go make a really entertaining product. Um, it, it, I think Rory had some quotes too about like maybe needing to be talked into being mic'd up for a hole is like, man, no, I need y'all dancing. I, you got to dance for us. All right. We have, we have bared, uh, grinned our, uh, you know, watched golf with through gritted teeth for a long time. And I need everyone rowing in the right direction to make this thing entertaining. And that means all of you. And, uh, and that's just a takeaway I had that was just like, Oh man, I, I, I got to have a little more buy-in from guys. Yeah. It did seem, I think like he understood like the existential threat more than most. And it was like, all right, this is a time to share leadership. And so like, I'm going to rally the, the boys and we're going to sort of make a plan to make this work. And then the reality is like, ah, oh, fuck. Like I actually got to like grind all these weeks. I, I got to, you know, now I miss one of them. I got to go every single one of them. Look, I think he'll get a fire lit in him at some point over something. And maybe it's just, you know, he's thinking more about the majors or he's, you know, got other stuff going on, but just maybe Phoenix just isn't his scene. Maybe just tired of the drunks and tired. Of, he hears probably way more shit than most people out there that probably annoys him a little bit. And so maybe it's just like, all right, fine. I have to, you know, play Capaloo next year. You can skip this one. And, <laughs> and I'll also, you know, in, in the interest of like, Hey, we love it when guys say what they say, what they feel, yep. you know, I, I don't disagree with anything you said to Ollie, but just, you know, things are complicated. I'm trying to think about it from, from all aspects, but I think you could also convince me that like it's still not, you know, we're still not getting to a point where like we've fixed the issue. Like that the house of professional golf has like very, very bad and dangerous wiring. It's not like, you know, we, we changed a couple outlets and like there's still like a lot of work to be done here. Uh, and so it, there's there's that too. That's just what you're saying, Kevin, is like, all right, we did uh like what do you want me to do, man? Like, you know, we changed the light bulbs, we changed the outlets, we grounded that that thing in the family room. Like, what do you what do you want me to do? It's like, well, no, man. Like, there's a lot more to do, unfortunately. There's there's a lot more to fix. And this this current structure is still not perfect because it's like, no, you gotta treat the if you want to get paid basically what this the amount of money that we're talking about here that that these top players want to get paid, you gotta treat the Phoenix Open like it's a major. You got to treat Riv like it's a major. You got to treat the players like it's a major. You got to treat the majors like it's a major, even though you're going to treat now treat that twice as much like it's a major. You got to treat the playoffs like they're a major. You got to treat the travelers like it's a major now. The travelers. You got to treat Heritage like it's a major. Like all of these things that like I, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting and it's going to be really weird if uh, and and I hope this doesn't happen, obviously. But like if these first couple do 
fall flat, right? Like it's and guys are not buying in. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, if if the daggers come back out again. And that's where I want to be extremely clear. Do I understand how maybe waste is not like Rory's seen? A million percent, yes. That is yeah. definitely not for everyone. I think it's just like, I don't, and again, I, I'm maybe talking out of both sides of my mouth by saying we do appreciate the honesty, but I'm just saying like, man, it'd be, it's just, it sets a totally different tone if you as the leader of this are out there like gung-ho and super excited about it versus kind of like, just kind of starting your presser that way. And again, I'm nitpicking here, but it just kind of was like a, oh, man, I kind of came to this event because I thought it was going to be must-see stuff. And uh, it just, it just, you know, didn't, didn't feel free to play great when I'm at Riff next week. So. Yeah, and he probably will. And it'll probably be a very short memory of all this stuff. But you don't need to, to dance for Sally. Just dance for me. It was good to have Rory back, I will say. And you know what? Uh, what else is great to have back? Row back. They're back for mm. another year. We could not be more excited. Uh, the fit, the feel, the quality, it is all perfect. I am rocking the herringbone pullover right now. DJ, you got the, I don't even know what color that is, coral, let's call it, hoodie on yeah, right now. Right. We are always rocking row back. Their performance polos, they fit way better than your typical boxy polos. The collar never loses its shape. Their four-way stretch material is soft and comfortable. We live in these things. I saw so many people out of the waste management rocking these things. Roback had a video on their Instagram, too, of just how many people were, were wearing these things. If you see the, you see the stripe on the back of the collar, you know it's a Roback. Uh, again, the Q-zips are incredible. They're great for the morning, great for the, great for the evening, great for the winter, great for the spring, great for the fall, great for the office, great for the boardroom, whatever you, that may be. Uh, and the performance hoodies are the most comfortable and stretchiest hoodies we've ever worn. Uh, I had uh, I wore one to the range this morning. It was absolutely perfect. Got a little warm because there's such good quality. Uh, but that's about maybe the only bad thing I could say about it is I was too comfortable. It's too warm, too cozy. You can use code NLU at roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order. R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, tees, joggers, you name it. Code NLU, roback.com. And on our TC, a little bit of down the leaderboard, we probably should mention uh, Nick Taylor a little more than we had to this point. It was, a, I think, a win in some way for the tour to have an average-ish player like going toe-to-toe of like, hey, guys, $20 million purse, and this guy just made $2 bucks. See, it's not all about the top guys here, but he was incredible all week, man. He made two bogeys on the weekend, um, which was some excellent golf. Untimely there on 16. Really, really freaking good putting, really consistent ball striking. I don't have a ton more to add on Nick Taylor or any interesting thing to, to say other than he held tough with two of the best players in the world for a very, very, very long time to the point where I thought he was actually going to do it. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I really don't have much to add other than just like a thorough and earnest round of applause for a really freaking good round of golf. And I know he missed the putt on 16, but, you know, he... It, it was pretty flawless otherwise and you know obviously ended up losing by a couple anyway so it's, i don't think it was it wasn't just that but uh I, I don't know i don't know that there's any place in the world that uh canadians seem to like more than scottsdale i mean just just always seems like canadians play well there's a million canadians in the gallery all the time it's just it's always kind of fun when that when that ends up happening so would i listen no offense to nick taylor would i rather that have been Rory or Max or Tom Kim or someone like that. Sure. But, uh, you know, you can talk me into getting, getting into the David and Goliath, uh, coming down the stretch storyline a, a little bit. Um, so yeah, congrats to him. Massive week. Yeah. I felt a little stunted on cause I made a crack about Canadians with Tron last week and I had a lot of Canadians in my mention. So it's, it's good to, you know, just, oh. feel, you know, this, they got their, their, their due. Eh? I was trying to distance myself from that in real time. Could see where that was coming. I know you're a big fan of the yeah, Canadians. Just, it, I, Matt, nobody loves Canadians more than me. So 
congrats to to really all Canadians. And Adam Hadwin had a great tournament too. T10, he yeah. uh, he faded to seventy one seventy one on the weekend, but um, he had some memorable moments from this weekend. It is we met we referenced at the at the top. It is official. Trevor Emmelman gave a shout out to uh, a popular <laughs> golf Wee! podcast. Uh, and saying that, uh, I forget what uh, IBF said. Ian Baker Finch said something about like, oh, he just doesn't go away or something. Can't keep him down. Can't keep him down. That's exactly what it was. And uh, Trevor has said, popular golf podcast uh, calls him the buoy. Because you can't sink them, and uh, it's out there. It's it's running, and I don't know why he couldn't give us give us a shout out by name. Trevor, come on, we're shouting you out all the time. Can't have it like that. But uh, no, I appreciated that. And then Ron was asked about it afterwards. He apparently was not familiar with the Bowie nickname, which I, which breaks my heart. But now every, the whole Crazy. world is. I mean, so many people have already been saying it. Uh, but now it's just everywhere they go. I heard him yelling Bowie at him, and folks what are not. Call me? <laughs> I don't. I don't like it at all. <laughs> folks, they're not booing. They're saying Bowie. That's the and and to the people from the UK. That's how we pronounce it in the U.S. Stop, you know, you're getting all over me for the pronunciation. All right, that's how we pronounce it here. It's different than how you what pronounce they, it. How do they pronounce they it there? Boy, which I'm like, oh, there's already boy. a word for that. Like, why would you say it that way? That doesn't make any sense. Take that away. Yeah. Miss me with that. But I, I don't know that I've laughed really too much harder today, maybe this week. I don't know. But we were, we were watching the tee shots at 17, and Rom had kind of been dropped from coverage, you know, and and – Kevin and I are laying in this hotel room again, hungover, just kind of n- narrating, throwing jokes against the wall. And we're like, Oh, there's Scotty in like the perfect position. Uh, couldn't be in a better spot. Nick Taylor kind of looks like he bailed on it at the last minute, kind of wiped one out there to the right a little bit. And Rom, uh, we assume is down there fighting with the uh, motorized gopher that's <laughs> running around. That's driving around the lake there. At, hey, at what are you doing? <laughs> Come hey. and say that to my face. I go to be here all night. I will absolutely kick shit off you later. <laughs> You could see him. It was fun to watch him, like looking up at the stands. Even on eighteen, you could see it. He was like just glaring at somebody. He's like, "I stay in the parking lot until the fucking sun comes up. I guarantee I will be here. You come say it to my face." God, it was awesome. I just love the rage coming out of him. Oh God, I love Rob. He's the absolute best. He uh he played so bad today, guys. He shot sixty eight, uh, three under par today. Disgusting. Just, Is that the worst he can play right now? He looked. He looked awful and then was solo third a blue whale was trying to pull the bully down it still <laughs> wouldn't go down i don't know how to tie this together i'm gonna like but i have this instinct every time i they cut from like all right here's nick taylor and then it cuts to like john rom i keep picturing guys i used to play against in like travel basketball when i was like 14 years old like the dude that was six inches taller than everyone and 40 pounds heavier and he's in the post and like it's just like, dude, why are you like competing with us? Like, shouldn't you be playing up a grade? Shouldn't you be playing with somebody like your own size? Like, you just look outsized and out out talented for this skill level. And that's every time they cut to him, I'm just like, this dude is a freaking unit and is so physically gifted that it doesn't seem fair uh, that that like Nick Taylor has to try to beat this guy and did beat him this week. I should say, hey, Nick, how do you like my mustache? <laughs> <laughs> but you wish you could grow one like this. <laughs> I don't know if that was Neil or you, Solly, on Slack this week. They called him Danny Monte. Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like. He's just <laughs> just mowing people down, just just pitching every day. Just you know, I don't need any rest, man. Just put me out there for. I'll throw a complete game. Just <laughs> let me just keep keep going. He looks like uh, CC Sabathia that year in the Brewers. Yes. Throw a complete games on three days of rest until his arm falls off. <laughs> it's like 12 inning complete games. Yeah. No, I'm just going to keep going out there, man. Keep fucking mowing people down. My birth certificate. How dare you ask me for that? Don't you. I will go to my house and get it right now and bring it back and shove it in your face. 
yeah, he was, you know, seventh in putting this week, 14 strokes gained tee to green. He's just, he's just freaking incredible, man. It's an incredible start to the year. It's so hard to beat. Like, just beat JT, and I'm just naming it, G, beat JT, Xander, and Speed like, every time you tee it up. Like, every time. He beats all of them, every time. And, you know, this week got clipped by two guys, but it's just outrageous how long this run is lasting. And doesn't seem, it doesn't look like he's hanging on to it. It just seems like... We are watching, we see so much of a very average round for him that you're kind of like, ooh, is he losing it? It's like, no, no, when he plays good, he's going to win a tournament by like eight. Like, he is that much better than everyone else right now. Scotty's number one in the world, so the rankings say. I think John Rahm's the best golfer in the world right now. I agree. I'm super excited to see him at, at the players where he was has been in contention and didn't win, and at the Masters where he's been in contention and didn't win. Like, those are two places where he could really, like, fuck people up. And again, I think he gets, you know, it's, it's kind of what I was saying with Scotty, where it's like he the more you see these guys in the heat, the more you, the more context you build, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, if he goes this year and wins two majors, he gets infinitely more interesting. And if he goes this year and wins no majors, he gets infinitely more interesting. Like I, I I think truly either way, I just, I, he's kind of the guy that I'm like, man, I cannot wait to see what happens this year with him, which is really fun. It's if Spieth wasn't going to win the masters, it would be wrong. I would say. Sure. So JT signs of life signs of life shot uh, 67, 65 on the, he just looked like he just started playing offense on the back nine today and just a total ears pin back situation. Played some really good golf solo fourth. He uh, lost strokes to the field putting this week as well was second in strokes gained T to green, um, which is a theme we're going to run it with the next guy. We're going to talk about as well Is I just, I don't trust him and his best friend, from that like four to eight foot range right now. And uh, I just, I don't know. They, it just worries me a little bit. Yeah. A little stuck between putters. Seems like the, uh, the, the obviously JT is a cash machine at Phoenix and Rom plays well here every year. Scotty obviously is in that mold now as well. Going back to back. Do you guys like the courses like this where it's, it's complete horses for courses. It's, it's very predictable. Like it just seems like some guys, this has probably got to be the best example on tour, right? Of like, I don't know, some guys just absolutely, it is minus 5,000 that they're going to finish in the top 20. And it's, I think that's really fun. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious how you guys look at that. I think it's kind of fun that like you can drive it a little bit wild here and you can get back into holes. Like I, the most boring golf to me is like hit it in the fairway, hit it in the green, two putt maybe make an occasional you know birdie on a two putt par five like i love like that's why like jordan's showing signs of life here was so much fun because it was like oh yeah like he didn't really like hit it in the fairway like he just basically did like his magic tricks came back and then he made everything that was super fun i I don't know i think it's just i've this course has grown on me i used to think it sucked and now i kind of think like no it's actually like kind of set up really fun for pro golf like especially down the stretch you think Okay, I can anticipate what these holes are going to be like. And yeah, I know how much fun it's going to be. It is a really, really good pro golf course. I think it uh, has so many layers to it. You want to drive it great. You don't want to be in the rough because, again, it goes back to firmness. Like they got that thing so firm, and it all goes back to contouring around the greens too. Because to me, this golf course is a quick line between uh, a close line between birdie and bogey which i think is the most interesting golf and a lot of like the golf to this point of the year you know kapalua sony amex uh farmers is excluded from this but you know even pebble in the right conditions like it's it's like birdie or par all right maybe you make birdie here maybe you make par but like bogey takes a pretty darn good mistake to do 
uh, to make. And that is not the case with this golf course because the contouring around the greens is so good. It's so firm. Even the gettable holes, there's such great consequence to your shots. Like if you miss in the wrong spot on 17, it's not like a, there's not a bailout spot. Like you're going to have a tough up and down. And a lot of that has to do with like some of these hollows where the ball ends up around the green. You're actually chipping onto down slopes to green. You know, how many times do we see Rom in a greenside bunker this week with a bunker shot that he couldn't really get that close? And, you you know, he's one of the best bunker players in, in the world. And he's just because he's on the wrong side of a slope and the ball keeps running out. 13 is a really interesting green. That par five, I mean, that whole play is easy, but you got to hit the right shots. And, and then you mix in the desert. And I want to talk about the desert. I think it is one of the best elements of any pro golf course is like the the landmines that are, you know, maybe you know, I'm not talking about the burrowing animals relief you can get over there, but the cacti, the bushes, the trees, the ball rolling on it, the creative shots that are required to hit, you know, you can shape shots off those hard pan lies. You might hit a person, you got to move people around, you got weird angles and you can hit crazy fun recovery shots from those trees. That is such a fun element. That is way more fun than ankle deep rough or just grass in general. Um, it reminds me of Pinehurst a lot in that, uh, you know, it's got sandy areas that, you know, are just like, dude, I don't want to go in there because I might get something really, really bad over there. But also I might get an, a nice break, but like probably just becomes a numbers game. And if you're in there 20 times, you're going to eventually pay a price. And I, I've, I've grown to really appreciate this golf course and that uh, it's a fun golf course to watch for four days, too, because like I said, it's just there's just consequence to the shot. M- mediocre shots, average shots don't end up anywhere near the really good shots. And I think that's a sign of a good pro golf course. I think too, like they're especially around the greens, like the fact that there isn't like rough to hold the ball, yes, right? We, we yeah. always talk about like if you hit a shot and you saw that on 16 today, all those shots hit the green, but they just weren't going to hold that green and they, they weren't going to stop like right on the collar. They're going to roll all the way out towards, you know, the, the boundary there essentially. And that was what's kind of fun, right? That forces them to make different choices with like, all right, do I have a high flop here? Do I hit it into the hill, let it kind of release a little bit. Like those are fun decisions to make. And there's a lot of courses on tour where obviously it's not firm, so it doesn't bound and go far, but even when it is like it gets, you know, stops right near the hole instead of running away from it. And so that's, I mean, I'm all in. That's huge. That makes such a difference. I know like, I know casual fans probably don't, but like coming off Tory two weeks ago where again, you can hit a screamer through the green and it stops two feet over the green. Like this is way more fun, I think, and way, way better of a challenge. And uh, I think the leaderboard reflected that. But. I mean, look at 16 is, is the yeah. perfect example, right? Like how close were those three shots were all like on the green. You could almost point. like throw a blanket on them where they ended up. And like, you're kind of seeing three different shots out of there. Right. Like, uh, I mean, I guess Scotty and, and Roms were kind of similar The like kind of scooters through the hill and, bounce it up on the hill and try to get to stop. But then Nick Taylor has a completely different shot because he's just barely on a different surface and he's trying to hit the little higher, like one stop, you know, one bounce and stop type thing. So, and you get win too. Like you, you factor that in too, which is like, that's what I was going to ask. On, on, I didn't get to watch much on Friday, but was that, it yeah. looked like Christmas morning from the, uh, from the videos that were coming oh, across yeah. my desk. Scotty Shuffler yeah. had a ball stop like 12 inches from the hole on 16 that eventually blew off the green. Mavin nearly putted into the water on 12. That was sick. JT had a ball roll and roll and roll and roll on 12. He's like, sit, fuck sit, off. fuck off. It was just perfect. Like it was, it, it, I shouldn't say it was just perfect. Like it kind of speaks to like green speeds getting out of control. And the, the tour is running into issues really two weeks in a row of, 
Green speeds not be able to to hold the uh, you know hold up with the the wind speed that they got, and I just it's kind of a, a it's a, been a tough trend in pro golf for a long time, and uh, they they seem to have more of an appetite to push things though uh, to push a pin a little closer to the edge, and uh, they've got their hand caught in the cookie jar a couple times uh, here to start the year, but I I think in general I enjoy that they're pushing it to the edge, but I do just wonder about uh, these green speeds and if they're gonna. Further issues. That's a benefit of the the designated events thing, though, right? Because like you can push things a little bit more because the players kind of have to come, right? So there's no, well, I don't, yeah. I hate what they do to this thing. I hate oh, the conditions true. of this place. Like, oh, tough shit. Like we're giving you twenty Sorry. million dollars, so <laughs> you, you, and so we can have a little tougher pins, or we can make you know piss you off a little bit if you don't want to come. Like, well, you, you don't have to play for the money, I guess. You know, you're not eligible for the bonus things. So. Quick Hamsterdam segment. Um, Hamsterdam, if you are a new listener, is where we try to isolate any complaints we have about television coverage to one single part of the show so it doesn't bleed into the rest of the show. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about that as much in the, in the, in this year, in the coming years, because it was a huge, 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 huge problem in, in pro golf. It seems to be mitigated to the point where it's not like we need to uh, you know complain about everything every single week, but... They did go really, really hard on 16 on Saturday. Obviously, they were rewarded with the the huge moment last year with Sam Ryder making the ace and putting Amanda Renner and uh, Colt Nose down there on, on the on the scene to kind of give you appreciation for the atmosphere. But felt like a lot of stuff got squeezed out on Saturday. The 17th hole in particular got completely squeezed out. Jordan Spieth hit uh, what Michael Greller called the greatest bunker shot he's ever seen from 76 yards to two feet, and we had to resort to finding that on on social media. It was it was tough. It was a decision to do that. I get it. You know, they're trying some different things. They're going for what you know, celebrating what does make this uh, event unique. And again, just with the commercial load that they are they're saddled with, you're going to sacrifice something to to do something like that and bring it to life. But uh, just a little, just a little, too, little heavy on sixteen. I thought on Saturday in my personal. I test. thought Amanda and Colt had a pretty good rapport. I, I said that on Twitter. I, I thought they had sort of a fun back and forth. Colt's like just really good at picking up like whatever somebody throws them a joke or throws them a setup or whatever. And you know, they he and Amanda just they didn't try too hard. I think, and it was it was a fun energy. It's good. I like it. I, I think again, it just it comes at the cost of something else, right? And you don't want to miss a live moment like they missed it live when when Ryder made the ace last year, and they were, again, you just got to also appreciate a hole in one's extremely unlikely, and like banking on showing all the shots live is 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 a lot to saddle the rest of your telecast with. But um, that was kind of, and then Sunday it felt like the commercials as the leaders were going into sixteen. And also immediately after they hit their shot, were just backbreaking, just just crushing. It reminded me; it felt like a huge step backwards. I don't, I don't, I don't know who's to blame. I don't care who's to blame between CBS and the tour here, but like you just for you, this being your big designated event, I don't know what you got to do to to cut the commercials down in the final few holes. But like this is like what you are trying to celebrate was this this scene, and your guys are arriving there. You don't show it; they're like basically in Scotty's shot as they come back from commercial. And then cutting right away to go in, uh, into commercial after they hit. It's unexcusable. If you've decided that this is your moment, that you want to focus on this or whatever, cram the commercials into other stuff, whatever, and then let that moment breathe. Yeah. Like let them walk all the way up to the thing, let the fans go bonkers or boo them and just kind of make feel the energy of what the, it's like. Don't they like, did that we, last year with like, Sahib? Yeah. They, they just, did it. Yeah. So that was, that was what was frustrating. Is it like they, they clearly had said, all right, 16 is going to be like, a big deal, and then didn't let that moment yeah. breathe. Uh, that's all I had for for Hamsterdam. I mean, missing the speed shot was was very tough, but um, 
missing the Xander stuff was a little bit frustrating. That was they not, they, yeah, not they never really like gave any sort of. I, mean, I think Nablo has with like one line later to say, oh, it's, everything was up on the up and up. Yeah. Everything was fine. You, know, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't need to worry about that. If you heard about that on social media, don't worry about it because colors are fine. Funny <laughs> <laughs> uh Max had a sick club throw um, after a yeah. bad uh, fairway bunker shot. Um, that was sweet. There's like a streak fire. Of, yeah. You're talking about Rory not showing fire. Like that was like Max was like fucking pissed that he would do, wasn't, you know, in the mix. And that's pretty awesome. Like from where Max has come to this moment where. He's like, just it's not clicking and working this week, and I'm I'm mad about it. That's what I was gonna say. I mean, you know, from the uh, gotta call him like you see him department. I mean, Max has clearly elevated his his stature on the PGA Tour to a point that you know you kind of expect him to play well every week, especially at a place where he has played really, really, really well. Super disappointing week. It's yeah. it's it was a bummer to see not see him in the uh, in the mix. So I don't know if that's just a you know just one of those things. It's hand up. It's on me. Uh, I have not hit a single bet, single one in our DraftKings uh, <laughs> this year. Not not a single one. It's honestly hard to have been as unsuccessful as I've been, and I picked him to top twenty this week. So I will own that one, Max. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize you mushed me on that one. Yeah, that That's is tough. all me. I will bet on you to miss the cut next week, uh, Max, because I am officially the cooler. Last thing I have is this week in James Hahn tweets. Uh, it got a lot more direct uh, this past week. Um, I couldn't help but. Notice uh, that uh, I tweeted this. I said, James Hahn was the lone dissenting board vote against the new structure of the PGA Tour with these elevated purses. Uh, he's currently slated to make two hundred sixty-five grand for his T18 standing. Uh, this spot would have paid one hundred twenty-five k last year um, when he got off the golf course. Uh, James replied in saying, ha ha, uh, what a joke. Do you even know what we voted on or do you make this stuff up to fit your narrative? If we voted to not raise the pit money, we could have had $50 million more in purse money facts don't come at me with your bullshit i'm a fan but you should have laid up on this one uh and my response in realizing that uh, we are going to be wired in a uh, multi 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 uh reply twitter thread i said yeah it's almost like the pga tour was in an existential crisis and has been held hostage by the rank and file for decades uh and then in which han has replied Ex- existential crisis held hostage calm down there big guy it's just golf Sorry my dissenting board vote got you so triggered. If you only knew what was said in those meeting, you wouldn't be talking out of your arse. Um, which I think to all this, again, James, there is a request in your DMs for you to come on the podcast and discuss all of this, but th- probably a high probability. We're just not going to see eye to eye on this issue. Uh, I've Again, it is of my opinion, and please, both you gentlemen, feel free to push back if you disagree, but that exactly what I said, the, the tour has been held hostage. Maybe that's a little dramatic phrasing. Sure. I'll give you that, uh, held hostage by the average to mediocre PGA tour player for a long, long, long time. And yes, in in the course of, in the interest of like retaining talent on this tour, the tour has decided to give the most impactful players a lot, a, a big share of off course revenue. And I think that was a very good decision to retain the talent. And as somebody who's not going to receive that money, He's probably going to feel very differently about it. I definitely do not think it's apples to apples that they could have just added the $50 million to the purses, nor do I think that would have solved the issue at all. I think it would have only compounded the issue. Uh, but yes, I, I have a feeling we're just not going to see eye to eye on this one. And uh, yeah, I feel I feel, I feel quite strongly uh, that uh, you will, as an, you know, an average-ish tour player, benefit greatly from this new system, even if you did not vote for it. James, I don't know if you've heard, we have a website now, and I'm uh, writing about it on it. Uh, so I'll be at Riv if you want to chat. Uh, I'll, I'll 
come over and tap you on the shoulder and just say, if you'd like to explain what happened at those board meetings, and I'll give you full full say and full uh, ear to hear you out. And so uh, I don't want you to feel unlike Solly. Yeah, uh, who is you know, creating the narrative, <laughs> creating a narrative, big guy. And, yeah, I mean, he's a fan. And listen, he's speaking out of his arse. His quotes are out there, and I've I've read them previously. The Adam Shupak report back from August about you know when he when he did cast this dissenting vote against it that. You know, he said certain changes were made to combat the live tour, not necessarily to make our tour any better. Uh, to prevent more players from leaving our tour, we are ending up paying the top players in the world guaranteed money that has increased exponentially. Yes, I, I believe that's a, a goal of this. Uh, he said three years ago, we started implementing this new PIP program, which has grown to $100 million. It seems like the people who have the most influence of how much money is distributed to the top players in the world have a much stronger voice now than they've ever had. Yes, yes, I would, I would. Def, definitely say that that's probably the goal of this. Uh, then I, I don't I, I don't understand the next part. He said, I understand the reasoning that the money is used to keep top players, and without them, we have no tour. Okay, then I don't know. However, what <laughs> I don't know what we're challenging here. But my question to them is, when is enough enough? We've gone from fifty million to a hundred million. When a hundred million is enough, will they ask for two hundred million? How will that impact our business? Well, I, I would say, uh, you know, two time. WM Phoenix Open champion Brooks Kepka was in a dystopian turn of turn of events, missing the cut in Oman this week. So, like when you talk about how it's going to affect your business, like that's how it's going to affect your business. It, it's just it, it would have been a slow bleed, and uh, I think the Scotties and all of these people who are putting uh, these hundreds of thousands of butts in the seats are are going to slowly disappear, or or quickly disappear. <laughs> yeah, most of my background, maybe if you're familiar with me at all, is like in covering football and. There's just not really a scenario where, like the, you know, person who was you know the a special teams player would have a lot of you know pull over what the future of like NFL contracts would be like, and so I find it a little bit sort of <laughs> strange that golf. I mean, look, are are there great stories out there about guys who grind their way through you know the, to be the 125th player to work their way up? Like, yes, absolutely. Are they are they already upset about the idea of next year that only seventy five players are going to be in these their designated events? I, I can know the exact number, but it's going to be less than one twenty five, right? Yeah, but I don't really, as a fan, I don't know why what the compelling argument is for me to like want less of the superstars and more of the journeymen. Like that just isn't a really a winning argument. No one in the NBA is like you know, like Giannis and LeBron stuff are sweet. But you know what I would really like to see is like more Pat Beverly. Like I, I think Pat Beverly should have like more of a say in like what happens because like he's a we great be story. To him. It's a great story. Like, yeah. yeah, dude. Like you know what's also a great story is like the best guys like <laughs> being on your tour. Yeah. <laughs> it to me it's also incredibly simple. Maybe too simple, right? I'm, all these issues are more complicated than I would like to make it, but incredibly simple of like, hey, dude, all the best players in the world slash all of the guys that create all of the value have an option here of like, hey, we're going to maybe go form our own tour, we're going to go join Live, or we're going to stick with the PGA Tour. Like, the, let's just call those the three options, right? And what they came up with was, we're going to stick with the PGA Tour. Like, we're going to stick with you guys. James Hahn, you need Rory McIlroy. Like, you need, you need that guy for your career to be valuable, right? So they also came to you and said, hey, we're going to redo how things are done, but in order for us to all stay, he stay here and retain the value of the FedEx Cup and all these sponsors that have signed up, like, we're going to rearrange some things here. We're going to have elevated purses. We're going to do more pit money. We're going to do this, but that's going to incentivize all of us to play, stay and play here more. 
The lower tier events are still going to get paid the same amount of money. You're going to have opportunity to play in all these events, but this is what this is how we're going to bring value to you guys. What do you think to that? And James Hodge to that said, no, put the money back in the purses. And it's maybe just not that simple, man. And and I, I think, you know, I think James is getting uh, brought up here constantly because he speaks on this issue. But I, and I, was I think on the board that that's why yeah. I've picked on him. It's like yeah. you were responsible for the policy making of this tour and have been for the past. I don't know how many years, but I, I do think he is like staggeringly in the minority also. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, yes, it's it's good to like keep piling it up. But I also think it's just like eh, he, he doesn't get it. And that's that's fine. I will say I want to hold out the possibility too. like he obviously probably knew that the thing was going to pass. But it was basically like this is a protest vote for like yeah. all the little guys out there. And I'm just going to be on the record of basically saying like, you know, you're fucking us. But like we understand we need you. So like we'll go along with it. But I'm not going to vote for it. You know, so I, I mean, look, if that's if you really felt principled about it, then respect. Do do what you got to do. He's also applying for live exemptions and releases while he was on the board of the PGA Tour. Like it, it also just might be wanting to have some cake and eat it too. Situation. It seems so. like he really wants to be on live. I don't know why a live lot. is not very bad. I mean, he's a, yeah, he's a he's a lot better player than some of the dudes who are playing on live. I I don't know if he has a certain number that they haven't met yet, but like yeah, man. Like I, I I'll, I'll put in a word for Greg with with Greg for you. <laughs> I don't know what's. <laughs> Again, it's kind of ironic when you start to to look at like the the tour that you're openly cheerleading for isn't willing to give you more money. So like, I wonder why the PJ Tour is not willing to give you more money as well. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I would put those connect those dots. Maybe. And and if you don't tune into every podcast, I've I've been trying to make this point recently, and like the light bulb that at least has gone off for me recently, and something I wish I've said a long time ago was like kept hearing about this leverage thing leverage leverage the players need a leverage and i'm like dude the players did not need like leverage over the execs of the tour like the execs of the tour as to the best of their ability my my understanding like execute on what the players tell them to do but the problem has been that the average player to mediocre player has held too much weight in that room of like being in the commissioner and the leadership's ear of like what should be done it's the reason why we have 47 events and why we have 156 people playing in these events is like it is all with the incentive of like create as many playing opportunities as possible. Do this for the PGA Tour players. Do this for the membership, for the membership, all this, blah, blah, blah. And finally, with this live thing, the top players who would bring all the value to those guys have the leverage, in my opinion, over that middle tier player to be like, listen, it's been this way for a long time, but if we're going to stay, it's going to change, and here's how it's going to change. And I, I I get the resistance to it on the surface, but on like an actual like conceptual level, it doesn't make sense to just be like, oh yeah, I know you guys are creating all the value, but like, no, I nothing's nothing can change here. Status quo is totally fine. Everything's fine here, which anyone that is even remotely up to date on this situation knows the status quo is out the window. So, and it's not like it's this hasn't played out in golf history before where like Arnie and Jack were like, look, we don't want to be like given teaching lessons to like 15 handicappers like we're we're making money like this is different needs yes. than the than the actual teaching pros how about we just split off and two to our do different things and you know that one out in the sense of like that's the creation of the whole modern tour and maybe like the modern evolution of that is now we've splintered again is like hey like maybe we don't need like 125 exempt guys to you know fill out this tour maybe like you should have to sort of be better than 125th to kind of like earn a living at this. Like, I, you know, I, it's a tough thing to sort of tell guys who are awesome and we all like love hearing their stories and are infinitely better at golf than we could ever imagine we could be. But like, I'm not really tuning in to see the 
guys at the bottom of the list. You know, I want to see like we we're talking today, like Rom and Scotty going at it. Yeah, there's no good way to do it because I mean, it's it, it's we could have sat if we if this was a preview podcast, we could have sat and said, why the hell is Nick Taylor in this field? This is bullshit. What an absolute waste. And over the course of 18 holes, over the course of 72 holes, I mean, these guys, the the difference between these guys from a golf skill level is is not very astronomical, right? I mean, it's 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 pretty interchangeable. Uh, over the course of a season, over the course of a career, I think it obviously starts to separate. But yeah, it's hard to draw that line. I don't know. And I think the final point of this would be, I think he was, and, and I do not know how the voting works on this, but he, I think he's trying to at least position in his tweet by saying, I was, I just voted against, I didn't vote against elevated purses. I just thought the pit money should go into the purses. I just want to scream from the mountaintops. That's part of the problem. Like part of the problem is when you tie Rory in a tournament, you walk home with the same amount of money when you have provided vastly different value to that tournament, right? Like my position all along, the golf on the PGA Tour gets rewarded really well, compensated really well, FedEx money, earnings from tournaments. It, that's really fine. And the top players are not getting the value commensurate with the effort, the, the value that they bring to the tour and the sponsorship dollars they bring in. So we're not going to see eye to eye on that. It, it just, sorry, we don't have to keep belaboring this point, but this it's it the just, longest James Hunt segment I could I know, ever it, imagine. It, but it just calls to mind, like the way you're, you're saying it, Solly, is like, in a perfect utopian world, like it, it operates under the assumption that like somebody is putting up this purse of money and saying like, divide this based on golf skill level. And like, that is not what's going on. Like that, that's not what's happening. It is media money that's being put up and saying like, divide this according to like who brings in the most eyeballs and make your product as good as possible. It's not a true meritocracy. I mean, it is to a point, and and you know they do have to divide the purse up a little bit but like it's all the money is not being brought in because of you know the sanctity of rewarding people based on who gets the ball in the hole the fastest it's much more complicated than that and if you don't get that then you don't get that so the cat is back this week at the genesis guys i did not see this coming i did wasn't even on my radar that he would potentially be playing next week was this a surprise for anyone else kevin and i do you know <laughs> just in the couple of weeks since he's been working with us is uh you know we do a little like editorial kind of check-ins and meetings and i <laughs> i kind of texted him the other day i was like hey this might be like a stupid question but we're like putting together our plans for like what are we going to write about at riviera and blah 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 like uh wait like is tiger playing like do we know is, is i don't know like don't laugh at me for like asking this like is this obvious <laughs> is he definitely obviously playing or like definitely obviously not playing like it's just weird how it's uh i don't know this is a whole other media thing but i, I think we've just very much become a uh culture of like until it's tweeted there's there's not really any information out there and tiger doesn't tend to tweet very much so it just kind of we get stuck in limbo as far as uh uh any new information but yeah, I had no truly 50-50 jump ball, no idea what was going to happen. And obviously, I'm thrilled, uh, thrilled to hear the result. It did, I think, maybe represent a little bit of like the ball has moved forward a little bit in terms of he's not the only game in town. Because like I think in the past, if there was a chance that he was going to play, that would have been yeah. like the story. Like everyone would have been, there'd been all kinds of rules about like, will Tiger play? What will that mean? And then it was just like, oh, wow, like he's actually playing. Like we've been focusing on all this other stuff about like what the, you know, new events are going to look like. And so even within the golf world, which is obviously very like Tiger focused, uh, it was a little bit of a surprise. So I, I didn't, I mean, I, I don't know that I ever thought like he wouldn't play, but uh, I definitely wasn't like thinking I was going to go out to LA and, and 
absolutely get to see two Tiger Woods uh, rounds of golf for the first time in a PGA Tour tournament for several years. I it, it like a, I had a rush hit me all like for the first time in a PGA Tour event in like almost three years, I guess it is. Of like, oh shit, I got to rearrange some plans. Like he's the only <laughs> guy, still the only guy yeah. that every shot you need to watch. Like every shot, it's going to be a story, right? If he plays horrible, that's a story. If he plays okay, that's a story. If he plays great, that's a story. And it used to be like in the you know whatever eighteen nineteen, it was like make your plans around what times Tiger team. Like you can't miss it. Like you can't be away from Twitter while it happens, at least in my role, right? Like I can't do that. And majors are easy. I'm watching all the golf anyways, but this was like a, oh shit, dude. I wonder if he's early, late or late early. Like no one else in golf has that. Rory, as much as we root for him, doesn't have that. Spieth, I can get caught up on your round. Like that's fine. And Tiger, it's just different. And uh, I don't have high expectations for the level of golf. I, I'll be very pleasantly surprised if he makes the cut. I think that'd be a, an incredible achievement. Uh, but he's going to be playing a PGA Tour event, and that's exciting. That's a really, really good news, and I hope he doesn't further hurt himself. Also, Solly, it's the only course he's never won. I on, believe on I've tour. heard that. <laughs> so, you know, the, maybe he's still grinding. It really burns his ass that he but what can't if he get won? out and... and but what, but, what but what if he won? But what if he won? But what if he won? You want to talk about, like, what would make a fun designated event tiger in the mix yeah i mean come on i love these designated events they nailed it <laughs> is, this is what it, i'm talking about is this a you know is this a uh a just flex pga tour move by tiger is this is this him like giving a boost to these designated events to start is this a ceremonial occurrence i think he probably just wants to play at his own event like yeah. he, it's a course that he obviously as an architecture dork like likes and he's uh, you know it's it's the place where he has a lot of history going back to being you know debuting here I, mean, I don't think he's specifically being like okay like jay i'll throw you one here and i'll tee it up he's probably been like yeah you know what i feel pretty good like i'm gonna go and you know it's also just really really good out here <laughs> conditions are so good which i wonder if this means players for him or not or if that's too close to augusta in terms of it just takes him i think a while to power down after these and, re and recoup but i wonder if this is like his pre-augusta start and the only one he's going to make uh prior to that or maybe does he play go play bay hill where he's won eleven thousand times um that could be interesting. I'm I'm intrigued to see what what this what this means, right? And can he get through four rounds, right? Because he only did that one time last year. And uh, I'd be I'd be I don't know. It's a true who could say situation. But God, I I just he's still so, so fun to watch. I mean, watching the Masters and all those Masters podcasts last year, we talked about this ad nauseum. But he's still just so fun to watch hit iron shots. And watching him hit iron shots at Riviera is just a, a treat. It truly doesn't matter if he. Shoot 75, 75, misses a cut. Like, who cares? It's just, it's really fun to watch him play, you know, hit the shot into two, hit the shot into three, hit the shot into the par threes. Hit the, like, it's just, it's going to be awesome. I can, absolutely can't wait. One of the coolest, like, shots that I have ever seen in person was him at Riv several years ago. He, it's the, the, I think it's three, the par five, whatever. Or maybe it's, no, it was, he, sorry, it's on the back. Uh, he hit it left in the trees and he like didn't really have any kind of shot and was standing like right next to him there was a branch hanging over and he hit like this low sort of hook that like like didn't rise in the air until after it had cleared the tree branch and it would just look like it seemed like he had taken a magic wand doing it and i was just like wow like i get like why you know it's so much different to see him in person uh to see something like that and it just tv can't really 
translated. So, of course, Riv is like a cool, cool place to get to see that kind of stuff. Ah, I'm jealous you're going to be there. Yeah. Um, there was a great article, a banger of an article uh, in Golf Week this week, which shout out to Adam Shupak with some tidbits on uh, Bryson and his live golf contract slash Cobra contract and all that. Uh, I'm just going to read a few of these here. Uh, a source said that as part of DeChambeau's live golf contract, the upstart league had to sign off on the equipment deal as it relates, uh, this relates to Cobra, uh, and allow Cobra to use his likeness from its tournament footage. Liv had a proposal since at least October and had been unresponsive, according to multiple sources. Put a pin on that because there's just way more fun stuff to come. And then this is from uh, Cobra Puma, PJ Tour at Ben Showman. Uh, says, I wish him all the best, but it's going to be a struggle just because of what he wants to do. Uh, and Bennett said, who had been, been at Bryson's beck and call and bend it over backwards to accommodate every request. Uh, he said there was su- it was such an asinine statement uh, for Bryson to have made and that he was looking for a driver that where you, you could hit it anywhere on the face and find the fairway. Uh, he said, especially for a guy perceived to be knowing it all when it comes to science and physics. Perceived. Uh, with increased speed <laughs> demands increased precision. It's just like a race car. You got to be a better driver when you're running at 200 miles an hour than you do at 75 miles an hour going down I-95. He doesn't believe that. He thinks there's a magic bullet out there. He's looking for a unicorn. Uh, and another uh, an executive of a big four uh, competitive firm said, we don't have the manpower to deal with him. And then also Bryson shed tears when the first batch of Cobra single-length irons, single irons were presented to him. He put them straight into his bag, commemorated the moment by signing the frosted glass wall in CEO Bill uh, Bob Fillion's office in permanent ink saying, the day the game changed, July 13, 2016. Oh my God, I need time to go through everything in this article. That was what that was what uh, Tron wrote on Sully's wall the day we posted that uh, Journey of Tiger trap draw where we talked about all the times his dog had surgery and what movies he was watching and you know all, all that stuff. You know the game will never be the same after this. So shout out first of all just to Adam. I know you said that like, but like I you know I love people who do like independent reporting. Like that allows us to talk about a lot of stuff that uh, you know we might not otherwise know. So great tidbits in that. Love the way the article is just laid out. No opinion, just kind of yeah. one fact after the next. Like, how do you keep a straight face the, in this? Yeah, <laughs> you know, he shared the tweet in there from the my golf spy people about like how you know Bryson using you know uh, Project X shafts when he's you know like signs yeah. with LA Golf. And Cobra like, guy playing a stealth to LA Golf using a Project X shaft. Flight scope guy often captured on camera using a GC quad. So this Bryson guy might not be the best brand ambassador money can buy. I think I'd ask for a <laughs> refund. <laughs> I, I think we should call him the big unicorn from now on because I think that, <laughs> you know, the big golfer, he's not quite as big anymore, but like sure. the big unicorn could, uh, you know, could reflect some of these things. I mean, Bryson is just, I, well, the funniest thing to me is like the idea that like this request was sitting in the inbox of whatever executive at Live was supposed to sign off on these things. Seems like a pretty easy decision, right? Like, hey, can we just literally use like, footage of one of your players in our freaking ads so that you know we can promote him and you it's like a mutually beneficial situation and someone at live just is like not even responding to this email like you you know there's a thing in gmail that says like would you like to reply you haven't replied for five days (laughs) maybe (laughs) you should turn on that function get this kvv that person might not be there anymore because there's been a lot of turnover at live in the last several months. I was, I was told, I was led to believe that Greg consolidating more power was, was like a big, a great thing. It was just going to allow the, the process to be that much more streamlined. 
So, you know, maybe he needs to spend some time down in the, the basement looking through contracts. And I wonder if all their emails switched over to uh, at the CW.com <laughs> yeah. instead of at livegolf.com. I don't know the right way to say this, but I, I'm curious if you guys see it this way that Bryson is, is the perfect kind of, and, and I think there is a ton of validity to a ton of the ways that he's pushed things. And I, I'm not painting with a broad brush and saying that he does this with everything, but it's so fucking funny to me to hear uh, Ben Showman say that about the driver because it just encapsulates like a complete uh, narcissistic ignoring of like the facts, right? Where it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, if I <laughs> let me explain it to you, if I hit the ball harder, it's gonna go farther. And so, what I'm going to do is hit it as hard as possible. Therefore, ipso facto. I'll be able to just push every golf course to its knees. And everyone's like, yeah, no, we fucking get it. We get that. And but the problem is that like, when you do that, it's harder to hit it in the middle. He's, no, 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 no. That we'll, we'll, we'll hack that later. I got people working on that. Don't even, I got that shit. Don't worry about that. And it's the same with the Stop diet. Stop asking like, more no, about no, no, the economy. No. Stop asking about the war. Yeah, I got that shit. You don't, you don't understand if I just eat 15 steaks a day, I'm going to get, have more muscle. Therefore, I'm going to be able to hit the ball farther. It's like, well, that's going to fuck up your stomach. It's like, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. Yeah. The, my, my homies at Oregon got me, got me dialed on that. We're going to be totally fine. And then a year and a half later, just like, yeah, you know what? I was feeling like shit all the time. So I kind of <laughs> I pumped the brakes on that. Uh, it's just so funny to, to see that happen like multiple times with the, what seems like the same way of like narcissistic thinking. I would just like to renew my um, sympathy for the SMU physics department, which has oh to have God. its most famous. Uh, I don't even know if alum is the not right an word alum. I, Never graduated. I do not think he graduated. But everyone who is social, oh yeah, he really learned physics in college. And there's some poor like physics professor in there who's like literally like, yo, like this is so Come frustrating. On, man, we like, talked I, about this. This is I, I literally tried to tell him <laughs> that like. He, you know, force times mass. Is, I mean, come on. This is the most basic concept. And he's out there talking about terminal velocity. It's just so fucking. Uh, so I hear you. I hear you. The rest of this, again, kind of, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but a lot of like the live news, like the CW stuff and the stuff that came out this week, just by the time it gets to the pod, like it just kind of feels like, dude, I don't know how to make a joke about the video they released this week. It was one of the least <laughs> cool things I've ever seen. And that doesn't just mean golf. Like it was almost like a SNL parody of just like Louis, just like dusting off his shoulder and like, uh, Joaquin Neiman or who was it? Brooks Kepka doing the Rick James, like, come here, like, come here. Let's like, let's go. And it was, uh, <laughs> doing the Rick James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was just the cheesiest thing ever like it's it's not it guy it's just not it it's not at all it i don't and again am i getting worn down here like the range goats not that bad of a name i actually kind of like no, okay I'm here, i came here to say that as well okay i'm not gonna stay we can't make fun of everything that they do because then, then it loses meaning we gotta we gotta admit when the range goats is kind of a funny name I, i'm kind of in on it if it wasn't for the like they were sponsored by like someone who murders journalists like <laughs> I, I could see like a range goat like kind of gear would be kind of cool totally would, yeah, yeah i'm in i'm in on that now again bubba explaining it as goat be standing for golfers on a team again just ruining the like the one cool thing you had going here bubba needs to absolutely shut up god the line delivery on time to graze was truly one of the funniest time to graze, time to graze. 
Uh, also, Bryson in that video playing air guitar with a Cobra driver. <laughs> <laughs> and DJ just absolutely wanting nothing to do with any of that. Like 175 million does not buy me featured in this video. I'm not. I'm not going to do this. I'm absolutely not going to do it. And watching Kepka do it again is just so sad. Like it's just so freaking sad. Four time major winner should still be in his prime. Just out there like. Flexing on care. Oh my God. Take it all away. Phil holding up a, a Callaway driver, despite the fact that they, that relationship has been paused. Um, yeah, not even the new Callaway driver. I think they filmed this back in like September. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I was wondering if he didn't get any shipments anymore because of the pause. Like if he was just playing the old driver. Brooks also shot 74, 78 in Oman this week. That's not good. Um, they're uh, so like, what if, what if the live golfers are properly ranked? There's all this talk about like, uh, you know, how the, just, the world golf rankings have lost all credibility. And no, then there, he, there is all the Yeah, I think someone in the hotel lobby was talking about that, too. <laughs> all credibility. Yeah, I, I was walking by, like, you know, the thing is with the divisor, which is what people don't understand <laughs> is, like, nobody gives a fuck about this. This um, idea that the, God, that's such, uh, sorry, I'm not trying to no, derail you, but no, like, please, truly nobody, nobody fucking cares about this. Uh, but then, like, you know, you see an event like a, you know, not exactly the super strong field. I know that like conditions were probably a little tough out there because a lot of, but a lot of bad scores are a lot of guys just getting absolutely ejected and like claiming that like, Oh, you know, th these guys, how could it possibly not, you know, can like other than cam, maybe DJ, maybe like a couple of the others. I, I don't really feel like Reed, obviously like, I don't know. They're they're not really showing up in some of these like non live events and doing like Blandy, great. I feel like Blandy's yeah. the only guy that <laughs> seems like he's showing up. Yeah. I mean they uh, had say, what um Saddam guys in Abu Dhabi. Saddam allegedly finished uh, or his body double finished second um this did week. Didn't even end up winning who I didn't see. I, Takumi I Kanaya ended up winning. Okay. Um Joaquin Neiman and Sergio finished tied for fifth. Andy Ogletree finished tied for seventh. Um Mito Pereira on his way to live finished 11th. I mean, it's just a live. It's a basically a live. It's basically a live tournament, essentially, is what it is yeah. uh, with a few extra guys. Oh, a ton of live dudes. As you see, when there are cuts, they definitely miss cuts. <laughs> 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 I can see why you wouldn't want to have cuts looking at the decision event here because you miss cuts. A lot of you. Takumi Kanaya won 12.7 points for winning uh, this week's event. Um, Joaquin Neiman got 2.8 points. Um, what did Scotty win? Scotty Scheffler won 65.2 points for winning the waste management. So Takumi did get more points than Spieth got for winning that one, but um, for finishing T6. But it seems seems about right. That's interesting. Seems better than it right. was. I made this point in the mailbag this week, and please send some questions for the mailbag because it's kind of a fun thing to get to riff on different stuff. But, you know, I think that the biggest flaw in all this sort of discussion is that like so many of the guys that you actually give a shit about and live, they're still in all the majors. Like what if, if they were actually being shut out of the majors, then I could see like there being some actual like frustration or outcry, but like, they're all going to kind of be there. The ones that you care about, like I, you're not going to get me that worked up about Taylor Gooch missing any majors. I just don't care. But like if DJ or cam was really not going to be in them, I might, you might be like, yeah, that it just doesn't seem right. Like those are really good players. They should still get in, but they're going to be in for another five years or something. Some of them are going to be in for freaking life. What these live guys are going to be rolling around their gold plated, you know, Bentleys forever. I mean, driving them down freaking Magnolia lane. I think, uh, I think one of the things it does do though, is when they do, and uh, please do not read this as any kind of like sympathy, but you just see it bear out with someone like Sergio, right? Where he's clearly, 
dropped out of the top 50 and is going to, you know, miss out on or top 60 and is going to miss out on qualifying for a lot of these things. And so it's like, unless he's going to international qualifying for the open championship, like he, he may have played his last open. And we're talking about like one of the great international players of certainly his generation, you know, in the question for like one of the most famous international players kind of like of all time. And he just kind of like slowly disappears. There's no send off. There's no anything. He's just, yeah. oh yeah, he's just not not going to work here anymore. It's kind of weird. It's I know kinda, that, it's kind of eerie to almost like see it. You're just yeah. totally out of sight, out of mind. I know that, that we just talked about how the margins between like a great player and an average player are not that big. But like if Sergio's still really one of the best players in the world, I don't think it's that hard for him to like go, to go through qualify. qualifying. No, I right? agree. And it's, and it's an ego well thing. Yeah. They are pissed about the shame of having to go through qualifiers not that like i think that they're and if they don't go through they don't make it then it's like even more embarrassing right. for them because it's like proves the point of like well you're not that great anymore but i really think like if sergio rolled up to you know west lanks or wherever you know some smaller like british open qualifier that he would you know, open championship qualifier excuse me that he would probably get through like all you got to yeah. do is shoot 69 probably it's not like a bunch of plumbers and you know corn fairy tour players and stuff or like have your experience playing tournament golf you should be able to handle that pressure yeah all right uh, just a couple things here to wrap because i know we're, we're gonna miss a halftime show which is more important here than the super i think i know i can tell you guys are watching the game i have not been watching the game here so we are no you've been making a bunch of good points <laughs> <laughs> links uh trust of saint andrews remove the stone patio uh from in front of the smoking bridge uh r.i.p it lived a great week we rocked him we rocked him <laughs> Fly the banner. <laughs> I was sad to see it go. I kind of enjoyed that uh, in the chaos it created. We posted a new film room follow-up uh, on Kapalua uh, with JT and Spieth. We left a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor, um, you know, in that episode that we turned around really quickly. And so we kind of re recorded a little reaction video. That's on our YouTube page if you want to check that out. Yeah, we're milking the hell out of that one. I got no problem saying it. Uh, did a podcast this last week with Colton Nost. If you haven't heard that one, that was quite enjoyable. That was great. Got, got a lot of great. Really, really enjoyed it on that one. Um, KVV dropped a mailbag on Wednesday, and he gave out some, like he, he mentioned, some free nest towels to those who get their questions picked. Uh, if you need some information on how to join the nest, go to nolangup.com slash join. You must be a nest member to submit a question for his mailbags, and you get free towels if you get your uh, your question selected. The trap draw session coming with Tron and Randy. They're enjoying the voicemail hotline. If you want to leave a voicemail and become part of the show there, uh, that number is 1-833-330-8725. Again, 1-833-330-8725. Anything else from you guys? Trap, trap draw. I mean, I, I say it all the time. Trap draw is, is reaching exit velocity at, at this <laughs> point. I mean, it's, it's in the ether. And, uh, you know, much like other uh ufos that are being shot down all over north america which I, i'm sure they'll touch on shortly so uh can't can't say enough good things about that randy and i have been out in uh los angeles all week just recorded a a our annual oscars podcast which stretched out just north of four hours oh my god uh, so if you not like, one if not two not three if you'd like to hear me complain about how i thought avatar was too long please skip to th <laughs> hour three of the oscars podcast and uh, what else? We got KVV out at Riviera this week. Can't wait to read and, and get his writing up on the website. I'm sure there'll be all kinds of uh, good stuff, both kind of throughout the week and then kind of a big picture Sunday Sunday gamer to uh, to kind of wrap things up. And then what else? On the YouTube channel this week, we've got a little kind of something, something special, a little one-off submission from a, a good buddy of ours, uh, Patty, out in, uh, in Belfast. 
did a little feature kind of little featurette short film type thing about a uh, a golf course in Belfast. It's a so re- good. Really, really cool spot. It's so, a f- super fun video. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll have a podcast this coming week uh, detailing uh, our thoughts on Full Swing, the Netflix documentary that comes out, docu-series, I should say, that comes out uh, this week, which I've had a chance to watch once. I'm going to watch it again uh, before we record on Wednesday and post that Wednesday. So just just getting everything aligned here. So I don't know if we're yeah. allowed to say any spoilers yet, but we'll, we'll embargo that until it, until it all comes out. Yeah, I like it. All right, well, uh, you guys go enjoy the rest of the Super Bowl. I know I'm. She's on the stage. We got to okay. All right, yeah, we got to wrap right now. So I gotta go. We gotta go. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in on Super Bowl Monday. Thank you guys for tuning uh, joining me on on Super Bowl Sunday. I think I'm the only one that gets stuck with this one every year. I think this is six years in a row that we've had to do Super Bowl Pod, but we'll enjoy. I feel like I talk about Phoenix. I've talked about Phoenix a lot. I'm I'm with you, brother. (laughs) I'm happy to have left football behind, Solly, to to join you on these uh, on Sundays. So this was a lot of fun. So thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you back here next week. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!